welcome back to another episode of Going Through the Motions with me, Callum. And me, Alex. How is it going, guys? The podcasting equivalent of a diabetic whale. A diabetic whale? Yeah. <laughs> what, like, have you met one? <laughs> exactly, yeah. But you, that was your You've first question, one. not no, what no, exactly. No, exactly. You, you met yeah. a whale, you assessed mm-hmm. that it was diabetic, yeah. and then you went, do you know what this reminds me of? Yeah. My podcast. It was like, yeah, I was like, you have a you have a face that's familiar. I can't think where this face is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> it's it's the face of a faceless media format. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I can because it's all audio. It's like, well, I can't. Uh, you you sound like and you look like what I think our podcast is, which is like a diabetic whale. That was it. that was it exactly. Yeah. The first the first gauge of him. Don't even know his name. Don't even know where he came from. More than likely the ocean. More than. Although they had legs at one point, maybe that's why they lost their legs. <laughs> How the whales lost their legs. <laughs> that that that's what we're renaming the podcast. Crippling, crippling type two, <laughs> not evolution. Oh my days! <laughs> uh, right, we're already off the rails, we and we're, we and we should be on our best behavior today. Alex. No, we should be. So, I'm quite, I'm I'm quite nervous today. Yes. Ask me why uh, I'm nervous. Why are you nervous? To, you look a little bit nervous. Actually, do, you've do, got I your nervous face nervous. on. I've got, I've got I've got my nervous face on. No yeah. reason. Reason I'm nervous is that it's not just us today. <gasps> oh. <laughs> it's not. It's not just us. We have. We have another person here with mm. us, in uh-huh. in the Zoom where it happens. I mean, I could sit and pretend that we don't, but I'm literally looking at him over Zoom, <laughs> smiling away at our absolute nonsense. Hang on, Callum, are you not going to acknowledge that excellent joke that I just made? <laughs> what was the excellent joke? Say it again. It's be- a joke is always better the second time you say right. this. We- <laughs> if I have to explain this joke, I'm going to introduce our guest. His name is Austin Burkett. He is a con- the concert master for one of the national tours of Hamilton that would be touring but for obvious reasons it's not mm-hmm. and he has said that he would come and talk to us about his experiences because we watched hamilton this week so welcome austin thank you all for having me welcome to the show austin it's yes. great to, it's great to now have austin you. your first task is to explain to callum that excellent joke that i just made the zoom where it happens here we are <laughs> that was much better when he said it oh man. it's not the joke it's the delivery the delivery it's oh, the okay. delivery <laughs> i delivered it amazingly and you just it went straight over your head I you reacted it, as if alex it was good thank you thank you austin thank you <laughs> da, 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 da. yeah absolutely I've got a qu- I've, I, we so and i think it's it's quite timely because i was just about to ask my first question of hundreds of questions i have for you austin um, and it was to do with the song, The Room Where It Happened. But before we even get into that, and before we even talk about anything else, we are a music and movies podcast. And each week we will uh, discuss some of our more favorite movies and music and some of the more, I guess, on an almost uh, biblical scale of of impact towards so many different um, effects, whether it's... Um, music and movie whether it's streaming whether it's stage show performances whether it's um how many records did this thing break i mean multiple records this show broke yeah and 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 even not even just critical or acclaimed records but little things like um it was only recently i found out that i think guns and ships has one of the fastest raps ever yes Uh, in terms of words per minute it's ridiculous in terms of i love that (laughs) just so the this the mere scale of and obviously multiple tony awards Mm -hmm. millions of, of dollars um and over multiple tours um and that is us. So obviously, the uh, but we are talking of, of course, 
uh, Alex, about what are we doing? <laughs> what we're talking about? I can't remember. We are physically, yeah. It's today we're Les Miserables. Oh, no, it's not. It's Hamilton. No. <laughs> Hamilton, absolutely. Uh, and now, this is uh, obviously quite timely because we are in lockdown and uh, the during lockdown, Disney made the decision to release this a little bit early. It was supposed to be released ne- last the next year. Was is that next right, year, Austin? I believe. Yeah. yeah. So they moved it forward. Obviously. Oh well, thank you, Disney Corporation. Lockdown. It's not exactly. it's not often I say that. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Should be very should be very very clear though. Should be very very clear that this is a filmed stage performance. This isn't like yes. a movie of the musical. Right. That's right. Although, yes, that's right. Although although who wants to bet that that movie won't be made within the next ten years? <laughs> so that was another one of my facts is there's been a number of directors who have all, who have uh, sort of said that they would love to do this. Uh, the great Ryan Coogler has is desperate oh. to do. Yeah, exactly. And I wonder what that would look like. Um, but but yeah, you're right. I mean, I think a lot of people have have asked, you know, to, to sort of put a, a live adaptation of this. And I'm sure one day, you know, maybe we might get that. Sure. Um, of course, though, we are talking about the musical um, now. Austin, um, I guess just f- for as an overview, I'm going to hand over to you, mate. Like, what what does this musical mean to you? Uh, how how has this impacted your life? Um, and and I guess more specifically, what 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 is I guess what's what's it, the impact that it's had on you in terms of how often you performed this musical, um, and where you went to, and what what it's kind of done to you. Sure. Um, well, I feel like my story in terms of like becoming the the transition from being a student to being a professional and that like you're starting a whole new world in a sense of like you've done all this preparation you've done all this work and then you are take a complete left turn into a field that no amount of work that you do is going to prepare you for what is about to happen and you know (laughs) it's just like figuring everything out at a moment's notice and always just being really like taking everything in and reacting very quickly. So this musical for me is just a microcosm of my life since I graduated with my master's because like it was just a whirlwind of a couple months after I finished grad school that I happened to get word of this job about, you know, about auditioning for this just from Mm. connections And then around that exact same time, I was just moving to New York City and all of the stars just aligned in the sense that like, it was my first audition. I got the job. I had just moved to New York and you know, the words of like, in New York, you can be a new man. It's like, that was literally, (laughs) I was discovering this show as I was moving to New York. So I was, I was thinking about this in the like in the first couple of numbers especially when they were saying in new york you can be a new man because uh, the the other thing we've got to mention is that this isn't just a chance happening you and i know each other austin absolutely we studied in the same university uh, michigan state go green go green yeah, <laughs> and, uh, is it Spar? Is it Spar- Sparty? Sparty. Yeah, Sparty. Oh, yes. Sparty. Oh, the, <laughs> sorry. What was the What was the name of the mascot? Sparty. Genius. It was brilliant. It's Sparty so the Spartan. <laughs> Sparty, Sparty the Spartan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you, we overlapped. We were both on two year programs, mm-hmm. and you were you were there a year before me, and I was there a year after you. So 
So you moved to New York and you decided that you were going to New York within the last few months that you were there. And I remember you being very, very excited about it. And I also remember being incredibly nervous for you because I was thinking about doing the exact same thing when I finished there, except it was London and not New York. I was right. going to move, move to move to London and do the exact same thing. But I just thought, my God, just to move to New York to just I don't know. See how it goes. Like that's brave. That's yeah. uh, you know you that's going for short. it. You you did have auditions in New York, didn't you, Alex? You you did. Oh yeah, I spent. I've the. I've spent twenty four hours in New York to do an audition for the thing that I just finished, which was my masters at the Royal Academy yeah, in London. Of course, yeah. But and I had three dollars in my bank account, but we don't need to go into that. <laughs> we, which it's you're, not a city you want to find yourself your, in with your three dollars. Sorry, three dollars. I was going to say in New York. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You you don't have a, a what is it a dollop of fame or a pet or pocket or penny to your name? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I'm curious, Austin. What was the what was it you decided to do when you landed there? You know, you got you got a place to live. You'd landed there. What was the objective? What was your day to day? The objective was literally to meet as many people as possible because I knew um, I have a lot of friends or had a lot of friends that worked in the industry in New York. Um, in various different capacities, you know, musicians, some technicians, some people who are actually on stage performing like dancers and singers. Um, and from, you know, from what I could tell from everyone, it was just a business of who you know, you know. And so my only yeah. objective was I have to meet as many people as possible when I get to New York, you know, and I yeah. just have to take the streams of people that I have connections to and say, okay, who are they connected to and work my way up the six degrees of separation to get to yeah. someone who would actually have some work for me, you know? Sure. Yeah. So that, and, yeah. and, and the, the, sorry, the, what is it really, you know, everyone sort of says it's, you know, quite a cutthroat industry, you know, the New York music scene, you know, as a, as a professional full-time musician in such a big city and, you know, man, it was Manhattan, was it you were living? Manhattan, yes. Or is, yeah, I mean, what, so what can you like distill? Is it, is it really quite, is it quite cutthroat, is it? Or is it a little bit more From forgiving? what I've gathered, New York is actually quite nice compared to some other cities in the United States just because there is so much work and there's so much variation in the kind of work and so I would say in a traditional music sense like you know classical performance in terms of orchestra that's going to be very cutthroat no matter where you are just because you have hundreds of people auditioning for one or two chairs whereas I would say the other music scenes like Broadway and stuff like that because it's a business of who you know, um, everyone is always trying to make a good impression on everyone else and everyone wants to be, you know, a good influence on everyone that they come into contact with. So I would say New York happens to be one of those scenes where, although it has a reputation of being very cutthroat, I would say it's not nearly cutthroat compared to some other markets just because of the sheer volume of work that there is to do. Yeah. I mean, it must just be any edge, eh? you know, you, you all must be just so super talented. It just must be anything that just sets you apart. Exactly. Yeah. Any different skill set that you can distinguish yourself from other people is, you know, that's ultimately your market. You know, that's what makes you an individual and that's what makes you marketable for sure. Bringing it back to Hamilton. So... What was that audition process like then? What, what, what did they yeah. give you music? Because obviously I'm... I'm very aware, and a lot of people are, of the, as you say, more traditional sense of auditioning for, let's say, a symphony orchestra where you got to play 
a Mozart concerto, a romantic concerto, and a shit ton of excerpts. And just that's what you play for all our orchestral editions in the world. In case you were, in case list, and then a little, listeners, a little bit wondering. of Venga Boys as well. Yeah, just no, a bit of Venga yeah, Boys yeah. on the side. <laughs> a little bit of Venga Boys, absolutely. That's the that's the bit they don't tell you. But for for musical theatre jobs, and as you say, you say a, lo- a large part of it was like, is like who you know and stuff like that. But I'm assuming you would have still had to audition to play things for to sure. prepare something. Yeah. Um. So basically, yeah. It, Whereas like with orchestral auditions, it's, you know, you have a, you're a member of a union or you look online and you see that an orchestra is holding auditions for a certain chair and these are the lists and anybody can apply. Um, For these Broadway jobs, for the tours and for getting on the sub list, it's really more of a, you know the person, you establish a relationship with someone who has the chair on Broadway or the contractor. So they know you already as an individual. And then they're like, hey, you would be great to audition for this. And then they give you the audition. So it's about, it's a person, from the very beginning, it's about the person as a whole, not just about how well they play. Mm -hmm. Um, But my audition process for Hamilton was basically just, I had six different excerpts from the show. um, And they wanted me to record a video and audio of me playing along these parts just to a click track so they were like this is the click track i want you to set it to so like you know 135 or like 112 beats per minute or whatever and you just have it going and then you're just like okay take one go and then you just play it through with the right rests and everything and just try to do as well as you can you have six different excerpts i think it was uh there's a part from skylar sisters there is a part from uh yorktown there is a part from rumor it happens from election of 18, uh, 1800, 1800 and then um uh the solo in um uh dear theodosia yes um, yeah. and like you know so it's like those kind of in the very end violin solo um in who lives who dies who tells their story it's those it was those six excerpts you know it was about 10 minutes worth of music mm-hmm. recorded video audio to a click and that was it no yeah. solo piece no other repertoire anything yeah, I mean that makes a lot of sense because you know watching the watching the show, and I know that in these shows, you know they're different from orchestras because obviously there's so many moving parts that go into a live production, and you really can't have the band fucking around with tempos and you know right. um, doing doing stuff like that. Like you just need to be slick and mm-hmm. on it. Yes. Right, which is probably why the click track was probably a really, really important factor. Absolutely. And you'd be amazed how many musicians can't play with a click track. Oh, trust me, I know them. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you've sent in these six edition pieces, and yes. then what happened next? So I sent them in to the contractor, um, and then I was just like, okay, great, we'll let you know, we'll be in touch. Um, and then, so like when I say that the timeline was literally like ridiculous, so. I sent them in about a week before I moved to New York, right? Um, And then I moved to New York City. And, like, it had been a week, so I was just like, okay, this disappeared. This is not a thing anymore. It's time for me to, like, go with my original plan, which is just meet as many people and try to get some work, whatever. Hmm. And literally the morning that I woke up after my first night in New York, I had an email in my inbox from Alex Lacamoire, who is the original MD for this show and also the orchestrator. Um, and he was basically just like, 
hey, Austin, I loved your audition tape. Could we chat sometime today? I'm in London, you know, so this is when I'm free. And I was wow. just like, ultimately, I had no, I was so nervous about my first day in New York. As you said, you know, like, what was your day to day? What were you working on or what was your plan? I was so nervous about executing that plan because I'm a very introverted, very quiet person. So for me to go out and meet all these strangers that I've never met before is like the most scary thing in the world. Mm. So to literally have this audition just kind of fall into my lap, you know, the day after I moved and it was like, okay, I have a plan. Here's what we do. <laughs> you know? So wow. then um, I had a conversation with him that day um, and he was basically just like, where are you? You know, like, where are you these days? Where are you at? And I was like, I literally moved to New York City yesterday and here wow. I am. Um, and he was like, oh, great. He's like, because I want you to re-audition. You know, he's like, I have a couple comments for you, which basically was just, you play very well, but the way that the show is, you know, it's so rhythm, rhythm heavy and so like rhythm section oriented that everything is very backbeat, you know? And so mm -hmm. it's like, I want you to take everything you did and just like move it back ever so slightly. Interesting. You know, and like, it's like just prove that you can do that, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and so, so I had those notes and then he was like, if you're not doing anything tonight, um, it would be great to get you in the pit in New York so that you can meet everyone that's playing the show. And also like that can inform your playing for this next round of auditions. So that was the original cast. So who are on Disney, Disney plus. Uh, so I don't think, were... I don't think Lynn was in the show at that point. Okay. I think he had left in 2016 in the, right. in the fall. Um, but so Lynn wasn't in the show, but everyone, all the musicians were the original musicians. Wow. Um, yeah. And uh, most of the cast, I would say a lot of them were still original, you know. And do you think, I mean, did to an extent, did Alex Lackmore kind of take you under his wing? And yes. Did you kind of spend a lot of time working with him and, yeah. you know, really finessing some of the songs? <laughs> um, I We are very lucky that Alex has a very hands-on approach to this music. You know, it's like, mm. Uh, it's definitely he treats it like his baby, you know, in terms of the way that he's still so heavily involved in the show. So when we had our rehearsals um, leading up to our first performances, um, when we were in Seattle opening the tour, he was there the entire time. You know, he was there wow. rehearsing us, listening to us, giving us notes all the way through. And he was there for the first couple weeks of the show as well, like listening to every show and like coming back and giving us feedback. And then he'll regularly like every couple months he'll just pop in for a couple days and he'll give he always gives the band some notes and always is very generous of course you know very nice to all of us and sounds, sounds like good. a sounds like a busy dude cuz i'm just going yeah. through my timelines in in my head here you know you, so you said like he he was out there opening the show for you in seattle but when you first made contact he was in london right yes he must have been he must have been opening the london production exactly because right. they opened yeah, yeah, up yeah. very similar timelines exactly yeah. so and because he has a hands-on approach with not only the musicians but also the actors of course because he was the original music director so when it comes to teaching them the parts and preparing them musically he's very heavily involved in that too and over the last you know there's five different shows of hamilton in the u.s alone and then the sixth one in london and so, you know, six shows to manage of just Hamilton. And then mm. he also has, um, he was doing the same thing with Dear Evan Hansen as well, because he was. Um, All right. That's not a small show either. No, of course. Wow. So he's a no. very busy guy, you know? Yeah. Jeez. <laughs>
So you have met Alex. Mm -hmm. You uh, he he's sort of given you your pointers and stuff. And then when do you find out that you got the gig? Well, okay. So I had uh, so my first day in New York. I um, went to see the show. I recorded that weekend, the next couple of days. So it was like three days okay. later, I'd finished all of my second round recordings and sent them in. And then, you know, I think about four days went by where I hadn't heard anything. The longest four days the, of your literally life. Literally the longest four days of my <laughs> life. Wow. And uh, basically then just like on, I think it was like a week after I went to see the show, I was just sitting down, you know, just waiting like in my apartment or whatever. And I got a call from someone that I hadn't spoken to in forever. It was actually the person, my original contact that I knew that I had gotten in touch with, who was the one who, from my old high school, she was someone who we went to school together and she ended up getting a job in New York working in production management. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of reconnected with her before I moved to the city and she was the one that sent my resume off to the music contractor from the beginning, which was sure. how I found right. out about this job. Um, so I was just sitting down randomly. I hadn't spoken to her in like, you know, months. And I just got a phone call from her out of the blue. And she was like, hey, I just got off the phone with Alex. And I just want to know, like, how, how you feel about this. Do you, would you take the job if it was offered to you? And I was like, yes, please. Unequivocally. Yes, I will. Take <laughs> I'd it. love to meet the person who says no. Yeah, exactly. and then, yes. but and then so that happened, and then I, I was like, "Oh crap, they're moving fast," you know. And then like uh -huh. and thirty minutes later, I got another phone call from another person that I knew that was the other kind of like the other person that kind of helped me meet people, like the other primary contact that I had to get sure. me into New York scene. And he was like, "I just got off the phone with Alex. I gave you a glowing recommendation, you know, all this kind of stuff." Um, and oddly enough, with him. Uh, uh, his name is Tim and he was the music director at my old church in Orlando. And it was this big, you know, we had seven services a weekend and it was like 3000 seats mm. in the service. So it was oh, like wow. a big mega church that we put. Oh, mega in. church. Wow. Yeah. And, mega and, uh, no, that's yeah. what they're called. They're called mega churches. When all the churches, churches. All the churches combined, exactly. they're like power rangers. <laughs> like power but, um, rangers, my goodness. The power yeah. of faith. Power. Exactly. Uh, but I, I played for years at that church, you know, for their Christmas Eve services and for everything. And they were very much in the same vein as a Broadway show in the sense that they used a click track that they played along with um, and all of those different kind of lighting and visual elements like a Broadway show would have. Um, and so I had grown up playing in that kind of environment. And so he was a very good person to kind of, I, I don't know how they found him, but I'm very glad that they did find him and not like, mm. you know, my high school orchestra director or something like that, mm. you know, that would have been like, well, he's great, but I can't really speak to how he plays in this setting or the, you know, so it just kind of worked out that every, that the people that they got in contact with were like amazing. I never gave references either. So it's just like, you know, like CIA kind of, Oh, yeah, we just know yeah. these people and we're going to, we're coming <laughs> for you. Um, and so then, so I was getting all these phone calls and then about an hour later, I got a phone call from the contractor who said, congratulations, you got the job. Yes, amazing. Mate. And so then it was. Like, and how did you feel? What was that like? It was, you know, it was the most exciting news I had ever received, and at the same time, it was so difficult because all I wanted to do was tell every single person that I got this job, mm. and because you know it was still a process of releasing and everything happening, I had to kind of 
be lay low with that yeah. information for a Keep couple it to months. Yourself. Exactly. Sure. And so like those couple, couple months. months were like the most stress not stressful but like painful in the sense that it's like I have this great news that I want to say to everybody sure. but I can't do it. A good lesson in restraint for sure. <laughs> you can you can tell us though. You can yeah. if you whisper. <laughs> yeah. Did you tell people? You told people. I told you? Alex, I think. Yeah. You've got this amazing part. I tell told, no one. I told my closest hey, friends. <laughs> the people that I knew wouldn't go and tell everyone that they knew. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And then skip forward. So what was, what, I mean, the statistics you, so we obviously we had a chance to chat earlier in the week mm-hmm. before recording uh, this evening, but what, I mean, what, what was expected of you in terms of how often you perform and what you do, like, what did your life, what happened to it then? Well, basically it was just, um, you know, just like, uh, we all just kind of were like, we're going on tour. Um, and most of the cities are about three weeks stays in each one, you know, give or take a week here or there. Um, and so it was just you're committed to at least a year of being on tour, um, eight shows a week. So we do all days of the week we perform except for Mondays. Wow. And we have double shows on Saturdays and double shows on Sundays. So and it's just the same schedule every week, every week when we have um, moving from one city to the next. More often than not, the cities are close enough together that we go immediately into playing the next week on a Tuesday. Yeah. We finish up on a Sunday night and we start playing in the new city on a Tuesday. We move on Monday, getting used to a new environment, a new theater, everything, you know, just like go for it immediately. That must have been exhausting. That, that does sound exhausting because, I mean, it's not a small show. No, it's, it's so not... many moving parts. I mean, like, honestly, I would say for the musicians... I think we had probably one of the easier jobs in the sense that, you know, we got to our new, our new venue, at least for me, for the string instrument, because, you know, I walk in with a violin and I'm set up, you know? Yeah, it's nice and easy, yeah. Right, for our percussionist, for our drummer, for our um, keyboard player that has to, like, put every single piece together. Of They've the got kit. to come in at least a few hours before yeah. and oh, just yeah. make sure in, that, yeah. They usually came in the morning of, you know, the morning of, and they would do a load-in the same way that everyone else would do a load-in. Yeah. Um, I remember and, doing yeah. similar shows, obviously not to this this kind of level, but mm-hmm. but shows that were in a pit and had big a big rhythm section and the drums needed needed to come in and this this wasn't like a tour this wasn't a touring show this was just like one venue but at the at the start of that process all the big stuff got brought in and all the musicians were sitting there that you know the guitars they were like doing all their pre presets and the drums were doing all the things and i'd I'd walk in five minutes before the rehearsal start and i'm like right i'm i'm sat in my chair for the a i'm I'm (laughs) sat for you i'm sat i'm sat in my chair for the a i'm on time you pick the right. Cheers, instrument. guys. Let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. And the guy, the other guys have already done a day's work, and that's yeah. b- before they started playing. Right. Exactly. To answer your question, it's just eight shows a week, um, pretty much just an open-ended contract in the sense, but we all kind of agreed to at least a year, and it was more or less three weeks per city, you know. So wow. and that was pretty much. I mean, the pay is wonderful, definitely. Um, and they cover all of our living expenses as well, or give us a stipend for that, so we, mm-hmm. so we can do that as well. So um, I mean, so yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as la- landing on your feet goes, I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. But, but it, yeah, <laughs> but I do I do have a question though, because is there a small? Obviously, this is like a huge, huge job to get. Absolute dream, no question. Is there a small part of you 
that says it happened too quickly did you not get a chance to have your new york experience as you envisioned it when you made the decision to go yes i would say not i mean it never happens too quickly you know because you're never prepared for that but Yes, absolutely. So the thing that going through this whole process of the last two years of being on tour, I would say that because it literally fell into my lap and I never really had to grind in the same way that someone who moved to New York and was like, I don't know where my next paycheck is going to come from. I don't Mm -hmm. know how I'm going to eat this week. Because I never had that experience, I feel like partly I never... I, to some extent, you know, just because of the nature of it, I do take it for granted a little bit just because I don't have anything else to compare it to, you know? Sure. Um, And so like, I do wish looking back and looking forward too, because the future now terrifies me for whenever I decide to leave this tour. Cause I was like, (laughs) I'm untested in the sense that what if I don't have something regularly to do, how Mm. am I going to like be able to do something like this again? Will lightning strike twice? And or if it doesn't, how am I going to engineer it to happen for myself, you know, and not just like the perfect timing of everything out of my control, just landing in one place, you know? Well, the way you say that, though, you say, you know, will lightning strike twice, implying that, that you know, and I'm sure there is an element of luck to a lot of these things, but there's also a high element of talent that I'm sure comes with it. So I'm sure <laughs> uh, I'm sure you're, you're being very modest with it there. Oh, yeah. No, because I, I would imagine I would imagine that if you were to go back after your run of Hamilton, we're assuming that everything's open again. It's fantastic. Yeah. And you, two years after the fact, you'll know that many more people. And also you'll be able to yeah. say, I'm a thousand shows tested on Hamilton, yeah. literally the biggest show in the world ever on, on the tour. So, you know, there it is. Can't imagine. I think that's a much higher <laughs> position than when you first arrived. Definitely, I, w- I oh, would yeah. say. Definitely, it definitely makes the resume look good for sure. <laughs> Did you find that maybe like because you were playing the same things, the same things, the same things, you maybe felt that technically you weren't improving? Yes. Is there was there a risk of that? That's definitely a thing. You know, um, it, it, it's you know if, absolutely everything you just said that because of doing the nature of doing the same thing over and over again, you feel like it's easy to work into the habit of, well, these are the only skill sets I really need to know in order to deliver very well for this show. And so what purpose do I have to practice anything other than those things? Mm -hmm. Um, Also, what time do you have? What time do you have? You're, you're, you know, you're doing eight shows. You're doing eight shows a week. The shows are two, two and a half hours in, in run time. And so that's not even taking into account the time commitment outside of the run time For week sure. to week. And also that's playing. And yeah. I know when you're doing a lot of playing, you don't necessarily want to do a lot of your own practice and playing sure. and other projects and other passions outside of that. Cause one, you don't have time and two, there's no re there's no reason to. Exactly. Yeah, I think especially at first, Alex, exactly what you said, you know, that for the first year, it was really just uh, I need to build my endurance to be able to do this week after week, you know, not only from a, a physical perspective, but also like an emotional and like a mental perspective to be able to put myself in the same headspace eight times mm-hmm. a week 
or just be able to react to whatever headspace I happen to be in because of factors that were happening outside of my control. Well, yeah, I mean, eight shows yeah. a week, you're not going to be in the same headspace. I can imagine, yeah, I can imagine that being a bit of a, yeah. Did you go through like a preparation like ritual or anything to get yourself well, like warmed up or Yeah, I mean, at first I did and then it kind of fell by the wayside as it as it does, <laughs> you know, when you're midway through anything. A New Year's resolution was yeah. it? Oh, of course. And then my second year was all about this past year on tour was all about kind of fine-tuning the time that I'm not in the theater, you know, like trying mm. to take advantage of the time that you were saying that is when you're not performing because it's like you're so exhausted from just that that you don't really have a lot of mental energy to do to work on other projects or to do other stuff but after a year of doing the same show over and over again it's like you get to a point as you were it ties in with what you were saying Callum that you need that kind of diversion from the regular everything and so those creative projects are like practicing something different or playing chamber music with your friends is your way of kind of just you know feeding your inner musician again so that you don't just and get stuck in this did you find scene. opportunities to do that yeah absolutely um not as much as i would have liked but you know we did a couple benefit concerts while on the road for um, this organization called broadway cares equity fights aids um which was really fun you know we got to play a lot of different kinds of music most of it was like classic rock or michael jackson or something like that mm. and we all just like threw together a show you know one of the ones we did was a holiday show and so just to get the opportunity to play with the same amazing talented people but to do something completely different than we do yeah. every day you know it makes you just it's reinvigorating in the sense that it's like you realize that we're all amazing musicians in our own right aside from the show whereas like if you don't have that then you feel like your musical talent is inextricably tied to the show and yeah. then once you leave the show you lose everything because you yeah. can't you know yeah. you can't relate to anything else god that's a that's a trick that's a tricky balance to get yeah some might say you were uh, going through the motions going oh through the my mo days <laughs> Um, I am uh, def uh, definitely by the eighth show of the week. It's definitely a going through the motions. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go, everyone. Uh, I'll see you a bit later. I'm checked out. That's me. That was good. So you're playing around the country. You're uh, doing three weeks per city. Uh, now, obviously, we mentioned before that we spoke earlier in the week. And one of the places you played in uh, was, I think it was somewhere in, it was a city in Texas where you had the opportunity to meet uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda. He brought his he dad, brought his dad along Texas, for, the, for the show. Oddly enough. Yeah. <laughs> was it Austin? <laughs> no, he brought his dad. Um, and uh, we were all so super nervous to play for him. At least I was. Everyone in the orchestra, except the leaders of the, or like the, the music director and the, they were all like, oh, he's going to be fine. You know, everything's going to be fine he's gonna love it it's gonna be great and of course all of us who had never met lynn before were like we are freaking out you know shitting our pants literally the sure. entire time yeah sure yeah, she um, would be it's like meeting george exactly Lucas. yeah it's just had a chance to meet yeah he threw us a party afterwards um and we all got some facetime with him and it was really wonderful to meet him he's a super nice guy um you know didn't get to talk quite as much as i would have liked but you know with a with a cast of sure. over 60 people you know involved in the show between the yeah. orchestra and the people on stage and everyone else you know he had quite a few people to entertain and plus plus his father being there as well you know so it's 
quite a lot of and he was the center everyone wanted to see him you know so it's a lot to compute but i mean it was wonderful he made a point to say hi to everyone and tell us all you know what a wonderful job we were doing so it was just very gracious yeah really that's amazing really nice that's really great. I definitely would have been the guy that said I really liked your Cockney accent yeah. and Mary Poppins, though. <laughs> I should have done my research before I met him, you know. <laughs> Absolutely. Actually, I mean, the dates might not have lined up. I don't know if Mary Poppins would have been out then. It was, yeah, when was this? Um, when did you meet him? May of 2019. So I don't know when Mary Poppins... Okay. Oh, yeah, it would have been... Oh, actually, would it? it was yeah, out. he probably yeah, would have filmed by then. Yeah, Yeah, because it came out October... Yeah. <laughs> oh who cares well i know it because i yeah. saw the trailer often enough yeah he saw the trenches oh yeah that's your purgatory it's a, long, it? a long story also. oh yeah so, we don't need to we've said yeah. that story on the podcast before yeah, and I think exactly, twi- yeah. twice is too many for twice is too many yeah. so okay so let's use austin as an example austin austin playing in austin uh mm-hmm. so you're there it's 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 opening night and you're getting ready and the first song you're opening with is the of course the title track mm-hmm. alexander hamilton so what's it like this is the first song it's a punchy powerful song introducing you to the whole cast um and there's a full mm-hmm. plethora of instruments there's obviously it, it's very now, hang on i'm gonna have to i'm gonna have to interrupt you there go for it because when we got to the credits when i was looking at the credits at the end of the movie I was amazed yes. at how small mm-hmm. the band was uh-huh. as far as actual personnel. Can you just yes. run us okay, through so, like, the actual so, instrumentation on this? I can't remember off the top of my head. There are two keyboard players. One of them is the conductor. There is a drummer. There is a percussionist. There is a bass player, a guitar player, and then a string quartet. So two violins, viola, and cello. And that's it. Wow. And that's it. So that, yeah, so that's, oh my goodness. that's so under 10. exactly 10 people. It exactly. sounds yeah. huge. Yeah, it does. Like, the, the sound of the show is huge. Although, you know, I, and I was amazed when I saw it up on the on the credits. But then I thought, I mean, it's it's very cast heavy. Like the music, the music is amazing, but it is like the the chorus and the so cast much, members yeah. do a lot of work yeah. getting the getting the sound. It's, it's a it's a story because well. like with the musicians and with everyone happening on stage, everything that they're doing it's really just nobody is doing just one thing you know because like in the orchestra like the keyboard one player has a million different patch changes on the keyboard and he's also conducting our keyboard two player has a million different patch changes and is doing a bunch of different stuff our drummer is playing acoustic drums is playing electronic drums you know it has a couple percussion instruments that they're doing our percussionist is playing all these percussion instruments both analog and digital and uh, she is also triggering Ableton for a lot of tracks. So Ableton is this like computer program that you use for live performance that has a lot of different, you can use tracks and different beats and you can use a click with it. So she is kind of like the robot keeping us all in time Wow. as well. So she has that duty yeah. as well. And then your guitar player it also plays like four different guitars in the show, plus banjo in Room Where It Happened. I was about to say, I, yeah. that was so, when we were talking about Zoom Where It Happened at the start, I was like, is it a box guitar? I'm like, is it some sort of box guitar? But it is, it's a banjo. Of course it's, it's a, a banjo. banjo. Yeah. Oh. Um, so that, our bass player is playing upright bass. He's playing uh, like electric bass. And he's also paying, playing keyboard bass as well. Oh my goodness. And then for the strings, like... I'm concertmaster, so I'm also kind of leading a little bit. Our second violinist 
Actually, I our second violinist and our cellist are the only two musicians that don't have an alternate duty in the sense that like they don't have a double instrument that they're playing or mm. leading as well. And then our violist also plays violin in a couple spots as well. Wow. Wow. So most everyone mm. is doing multiple yeah. things. And then of course on stage, you know, the the chorus, the ensemble, they're also incredible dancers who are telling the story visually as well as singing along. Oh, it's amazing. You know, it's just it's quite a production for the, you know, it's 30 people doing the work of like a hundred people in terms of when it's all said and done. And sure. and specifically the song, Alexander yeah. Hamilton, you know, there's a multiple reprises. So you find yourself, mm -hmm. so not only are you doing this eight shows a week, but you're kind of playing that, um, that melody as, as it were, you know, multiple times yes. per night. And of course yeah. it starts with a dun, 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 dun. And then you of the string section, just wind your way in just after yes. the drums. And that's <laughs> your just punchy intro, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's a great little it's a great little cue because it happens uh you know, correct me if I'm wrong, I've only seen the bloody thing once. Whenever Burr is doing like a, a yes. monologue. Yeah. A monologue yes. or a Absolutely. narration. I, right? I've I've developed like, you know, talking about different things because like when you've done this show as many times as I've done it, like a thousand, you work into this habit. No, no and that's not exaggeration thousand, is it exactly. it's like <laughs> when you when you do it that many times you have no choice but just to overthink every single thing about this in terms of i'm gonna just keep analyzing and keep going down the rabbit hole of what this all means so i've developed this kind of theory of that intro theme the alexander hamilton the da da da, da and how you said it always happens where burr is doing a monologue um and kind of setting the stage so the way i see hamilton as a whole is it's a five act tragedy and this that that theme bookends every single part so this first time that you hear it is in song number one alexander hamilton and that takes us through the next time you hear it is winter's ball which is song number nine and then so that's the start of a new act and then the next time you hear it is guns and ships which is towards the end of act one and that gives you to another part and then it's kind of hidden at the beginning of act two. Oh, it's, it's not double in, tempo isn't it it's double tempo he's still doing the same thing where he's doing a monologue but it's just it's in the piano part and it's swung so it's like da, 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 yeah da, yeah da, da. yeah so it's just it's it's kind of hidden but it's still there and then the final time that it happens is um in uh it's in act two i think it's the um it's right before Reynolds' pamphlet. I can't remember which one. Adam's administration. It's right Adam's after George Washington steps down in one last time. It's right after that. Then that's the last act, so to speak, of the show. And so the way I kind of see it is it's like this show happens in five acts in like the Shakespearean tragedy kind of mold in a way. And it, it does make reference to it. Like he mentions yeah, Macbeth yeah. a couple of times. I think at yeah. least a couple of times. And, and the... And the the comparisons are definitely there. It is an incredible story. I mean, not being American, I, I had no idea who mm. Alexander Hamilton was or why he was significant. Or so I mean, I was kind of learning the history of it while watching it. Although I'm not sure how accurate is it's the very, depiction it's of fairly accurate in, in the sense that the storyline as it exists in terms of the things that happen. And a lot of the words that he says too. So, like for example, in uh, right in my shot, you know, one of the first lines he says right before the band comes in is, "If you stand for nothing, Burr, what do you fall what for?" Do you fall for? That's a paraphrase. 
It's a paraphrase yeah, of that's a quote great he actually line. said, which is, if you stand for nothing, you'll fall for anything. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, Ben, that's oh, just one different, wow. that's just one example, but like, it's pretty amazing when you really get into the nitty gritty of how much is real and the way that he uses it in a way, you know, and the way that Lynn uses it to tie elements together and to move the story along. Of course, there are some things that are not accurate historically in the sense that like, so for example, in, I mean, they weren't, they weren't rapping. They weren't ra- <laughs> that, that's the biggest one. Yeah. I mean, the, the string quartet are the only instruments that they would have had as they existed, you know, back. Oh, in interesting. Time. Yeah. And I did enjoy, I, I really did enjoy some of the tongue in cheek, more classical uses of the string instruments. So I think one of the earliest examples was whoever the, whoever the guy was that was yeah, reading Farmer the pro- refuted. proclamation. Farmer refuted. Yeah, just, yeah. just. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Is of that like the Baroque first example? Yeah, it's, like it's, a, really it's a harpsichord, yeah. isn't it? Classical Baroque, Baroque strings, yeah. Not a real one, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. A sample. So so is that is that kind of like played as a kind of... Because obviously the, the whole point of the show, and I've seen this tagline everywhere, you know, for, you know, looking at it, is the, what is it, the, the, store, the history of America told by told by people today or something i can't remember what i can't remember what exactly what it is but and and obviously the the hip-hop element is is integral to the telling of the story and the mood that they're trying to put across so is injecting a bit of baroque absolutely. just a bit of tongue-in-cheek i mean the use of styles yeah. of music in this show is you know it's another rabbit hole that you can just go down forever so mm-hmm. like the definitely the baroque of kind yeah. of like the this is, you know, it, it's kind of this whole old world versus new world kind of thing. Of this is the world, the, this is America, and then it's this guy who's this, you know, um, like trying to say we should all bow down to the king and like we should do all this stuff, you know, in the old world mentality. You know, it's like so. Of course, he's going to have music that's representative of the time and everything, you know, in that way. Another example of that use of music is the beginning of um, Act 2, What Did I Miss? Um, because yeah, the boogie-woogie um, piano almost. Exactly, you know, and yeah. it's like the whole musical yeah. is, for the most part, is more modern in terms of like the musical style that it's doing. Mm. And then this is like a clear callback yeah. to like, you know, 60s, 50s and 60s. And the storyline that, that parallels is that Thomas Jefferson has been in France for the entire American Revolution and is now coming home. Yeah. And so it's the idea that it's like he's been out of touch with what's actually been happening yeah. in America. Oh, this that's whole time. brilliant. And he comes back with this different kind of like old kind of theme song. So it's like out of, you know, it's out of context. Amazing. It seems very dated in a tongue-in-cheek way, but it also works from a story perspective of setting the scene. No, it's amazing because, you know, because it makes it so much more nuanced than just saying, oh, I want this style of mm. song at some point in the show and just putting a different genre in there because the other one I really, really liked. I mean, I'm sorry. Uh, Calm, I don't know if you well, want think to we will go at some through point. this thing track by track, but there's like four, there's, there's, four, there's 46 tracks I think I think we're just going to be highlighting I don't think we've ones. got the time, but... On the point of choosing genre for like a specific purpose, the one that I really enjoyed was actually mm-hmm. um, the room where it happens, right? Because, the, I mean, I, I think, I don't know if this is just me because I didn't read 
too much into it afterwards to try and like validate my opinion but i'm just gonna go through and see what you think of this it's i got a kind of new orleans kind of yes, strip absolutely. club new vibe. orleans mm-hmm. like gypsy jazz yeah gypsy absolutely. jazz exactly yeah I, yeah i, I thought jazz. i thought stripper Any jazz, of that but maybe that maybe that just says to my to my to, to my psyche but then I, I thought why do i think that and i think it's because the whole point of that song was the the kind of decisions that are going on back door. It's like nobody sees what's what's going on, and I'm like, oh, and it yeah, is no, quite amazing like when we saw, you know, the story of that. The actually what actually happened in the room, you know, the the moving of the capital. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's amazing that one. Um, the, but the other whorehousey sort of one, we're on this, and I think, and it's almost like, oh, I call this one like yeah. the porn song of the thing is "Say No to This" because it's because it's like the eighties kind of like gotta say no to this. Oh, yeah. and it's just it's <laughs> exactly, of, and then she's in this red wow, dress wow. like Jessica Rabbit, <laughs> isn't she? You know that kind of like yeah. it's so funny. Um, oh I yeah, yeah. It. That one's always a fun one because we used to do these things called eduhams, okay, which are outreach performances for like local high schools and middle schools and schools in the area that we were performing in. And we used to do like one every couple of cities where we would bring all of these kids from these different schools in and they would perform for us in the beginning of the day. They would have all these kind of skits and musical numbers that they worked out on their own that were all historical based. Mm. And then they would have lunch and then we would come back and we would do the full show for them, you know? Mm. And so imagine you have a theater full of 2,500 kids or so, you know, and say no to this comes on, (laughs) you know, that's all you need to know. And you you know exactly what happened. It's amazing. And they would have had to bleep out all the motherfuckers and all that. No, they didn't. They didn't do that. Oh, no. Fantastic. (laughs) Love that. Freedom of speech. Yes, do it. This is America, you know. It's... All bets are off. <laughs> or like a, just a nine-year-old boy going, I'm the wrong sucker you made a cut cold of. <laughs> just, oh, yeah. They, yeah. they leave it all in, and it's hilarious. <laughs> Miss, what's a, what's a cut cold? Yeah. <laughs> well to <Yeah>, me. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So again, like I, I, as you said, Alex, it's kind of futile trying to go through this song by song. But if I can, because I, I, I think it's probably worth just bringing up sure. relative order. Or just, and we'll obviously jump around the soundtrack a quite a fair bit. But the the big question that yeah. we have, and we kind of touched on it, is what was it like going from a classical, you know, classically trained musician to doing hip hop and rap, and the context being Aaron Burser, you know, because Aaron Burser is again a song that appears quite a lot. It introduces the year at the start through the chorus, and they say, which is you know, seventeen. I love that bit. But yeah. what was it like? Because that song in particular appears a lot. And that is the classic example of, look, you know, this is a rap music. Yeah, I mean, it, it. it's just like you, you know, you take everything that you know about classical musician training and everything, and it, it becomes just a vehicle for you to do amazing things on your instrument, you know, because really all any kind of training is, whether it's classical, whether it's jazz, whether it's whatever, is it's just a means to an end. And so... To give you the is to give you the tools to do what you want. Sure. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. And so the thing that is cool about this musical is the way that they use the string musicians in the parts. You know, because sometimes we're a rhythm section. Very often we're a rhythm section. You know, we're just playing 
straight rhythms with what ev everyone else is doing. Sometimes we're like a horn section, you know, in terms of what we're doing, because like we said before, um, you know, it's only 10 musicians. And so the way that you use everything, you, you can use everything in a specific way, the small resources to create some really cool sounds and some really cool textures. And so sometimes the strings are like a horn section. Sometimes it's this Baroque, very classical kind of approach. Sometimes it's the very lush Hollywood kind of string section, you know, mm -hmm. and so... Mm -hmm. This kind of, you know, classical training helps in the sense that, like, it makes us all good enough that we can execute these different parts. But at the end of the day, it's like you're throwing all of the, like, the read between the lines kind of stuff about classical music of, like, I vibrate this much on this note. Or if I'm playing music by this composer, I have to do it this way or whatever. You just throw all of that out the window and are just like, sure. okay, I just am serving this music now and how can I do it in the best way and a lot of that you know is just for me it's about just listening a lot you know so listening to that one time that i went and i sat in the pit and heard the real broadway musicians doing the show was just so informative in that it's like okay their use of vibrato is very similar to like the way that you know in like baroque period playing where you use it more as a color instead of something that's always there, which yeah. is the way that like in normal classical music that we've kind of developed into, mm -hmm. that's always just like as fast as possible to like make the most amount of sound. And so in this show, it's like everything is a color and everything serves the story in that way. That's, that's, re that's really interesting. I love that. I was, watching the, I was watching the film and I came to the conclusion that 90% of the bangers for me were all in the first half. Yeah. And I've found this <laughs> in, in quite a lot of shows. And sure. that is not to knock on the second half at all. Right. Absolutely not, because the, the, the intensity is still up there. The rhythm's still up there. It's still just an amazing, amazing experience. But as somebody who's fresh to the Hamilton experience, watched the movie, and then I was aware that I had to go back and listen to the soundtrack and... I found myself repeating the songs that I was repeating because I just loved listening to them so much were all first half ones. And the first and the first one that I repeated about five times before moving on to the next one was the Skylar Sisters. Mm -hmm. That kind of like work, work, work. That yeah. that yeah. rhythm is just so infectious. And when they're singing about New York, they say like New York, New York. And one song came came into my head. It was the uh, New York Concrete Jungle. Yeah, yeah, dreams yeah, yeah. Are Alicia Keys. And, I, and I thought, Alicia yeah, Alicia Keys. Thank you. And I just thought, is that inspired? Is that is that is that like pastiche almost? Like it, it seemed too similar. Sure. To be to be coincidence. I don't know if I was. Yeah, it yeah. has that same vibe, and I'm sure that was definitely an inspiration in the sense that it's like we need to like create this you know, these three women singing about how New York is the greatest city in the world. Yeah. You know, it's like, what other song than this Alicia Keys song? You know, it's like yeah. that same kind of idea. Um, yeah, I think they definitely share a similar DNA, as you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think, and I think it happens whenever New York is sung about in the rest of the show as well. Like, I always yeah. just get that vibe. Yeah. And it's not nearly blatant enough for it to be like a direct quote or something, but yeah. I'm just sitting there listening to it going, yeah, I definitely recognize that, and <laughs> it's sure. uh, it, it's yeah. it's really cool. The number of like 
one-liners and language idioms in this show that it's like it normalizes and it uses it so effectively but then you find yourself using it in normal conversation in the room where it happens or like mm -hmm. in New York, you can be a new man or like all of New York, the greatest city in the world, or like yeah. all of these different yeah. things that it's just like, it gives a soundtrack for all of those like quick one liners. And then like every single time it comes up in just like a normal conversation with anyone else, it's like immediately your mind goes to just like yeah. singing those parts. Yeah. There's so is, yeah. many of those little one liners, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. The, the, it's funny because I was going to say talking about the inspirations. So, I mean, I, one inspiration that I wanted to find out more was from you'll be back which is obviously a complete tongue-in-cheek song. Um, but basically, in his, it, what I did a bit of research and found out that basically in his 2016 book, Hamilton, The Revolution, so Lin-Manuel Miranda says the inspiration for the Hamilton song, You'll Be Back, came from his friendship with Hugh Laurie. So which, oh, thank yeah. you. So, Do you know, right, this has bothered me since, well, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, making, I'm making out this has bothered me for a long time. I saw the movie two days ago. <laughs> I mean, but, but since I saw two it days. two days ago... Also, hands up, whenever Jonathan Groff was on stage, yeah. I was giggling. My, I was just yeah, giggling. Yeah, comedy yes. relief, wasn't I, he? I absolutely loved his performance. I loved the royal accent, yes. the royal English yes, accent that yes, he injected yes. into it. Is that is that something that was directed or was that Jonathan? Did your king george do that as well is that something that was um inherent i would in the say that it's it's probably taught and some people i think it's definitely taught as like this is how traditionally the role is done of mm. course people can take and do what they want yeah and i would say that the people that can do it very well and very convincingly definitely like lean on that of course yeah. because yeah. it's so effective and it's then the so people funny the people that can't you know that or maybe just don't have it in their lexicon as well they'll maybe find resort to other things that they can lean on in terms of the comedic timing of everything and just the what the part yeah. means I, so yeah my question for you is how does it how does everyone in the uk feel about the representation of king george the third oh, I mean, oh, we, well we know we know what it is you know i mean we know what it's like i mean it's yeah it, it's, it's, what, what i will say as a kind of macro point is we're I, th I think a lot of places, and, and Britain is no ex exception, is we're not taught nearly enough about the darkest parts yes. of our history. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. So that 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 is something that's really really bad in in Britain to to the extent, and like you know, this is a conversation that's much you know more relevant this year than other years. The, the amount that we're taught about britain's involvement in the slave trade yeah and the colonization is, is well. minimal is wow. absolutely minimal I mean, you know it's the same uh, here too absolutely <laughs> yeah but i mean you know on a, on a global yeah. scale if you know you were to get you, if you were talking about 17th 18th century slavery i think the united states is is up there but half more than half the ships were british and yeah. uh, the people at, and the the people that were actually in africa taking people were all british and you know they were going and and, and most of them were going to the caribbean Caribbean, yeah which at the time was british yeah. and we're not taught exactly how dark that is and actually we we we're taught to kind of pat ourselves on the back because we got rid of it before you, before you guys did, right. which oh, is wow. ridiculous because that <laughs> doesn't give you an out. Yeah, that it doesn't it doesn't yeah. give you an out. And and I think and I think King King George is a prime example of that as to you know you know that that you know the sun never sets on the British Empire, and you know the British Empire was the most powerful force in 
in in the in the world back then and he tried to hold the united states in like a grip and we and we don't know enough about what happened and i think the most that we know are things from the american perspective yeah so actually i i've always thought in that story if you were going to label it as good guys bad guys and the simple fact is that the british are the bad guys yeah absolutely that that, that that that's just what i've grown up my whole life and maybe that's just because i've watched so much american media yeah but i think the fact that because <laughs> you guys fact, are always the goodies <laughs> always well, i mean yeah and we're definitely not deserving of that either. <laughs> you know we have our own problems of course, of course. <laughs> oh i mean I, I mean the whole world does but i mean i don't think i don't think that's wrong no for for, for example no. i do i do think seizing your independence and you know forming your own country is like an amazing thing like revolution is an amazing thing to do if you decide you don't want that that, that's amazing and but but as far as the actual retaliation like lines in the song that are played for comedic effect like when push comes to shove i'll send a fully armed battalion to remind you of my love yeah i'll kill your friends um, and family i'll kill kill your friends (laughs) and family and he does it i'm only going to talk about jonathan groff because he's the only one that does it and he does it with just this yeah yeah. really cold Yeah, maniacal, face. maniacal, yeah. maniacal face, yeah. and it's absolutely brilliant the way he does it. But then I thought, we don't know enough. We haven't learned enough about the the truths behind those lines. What kind of atrocities did the British troops inflict upon the people there mm-hmm. to try and keep hold of that? Like, I, I'll I'll just hold my hands up. I, I've got no idea. No. Yeah. I really have no idea. No, absolutely. But just to the point I was finishing there on, so uh, they they said uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda with his, and his friendship with Hugh Laurie came in turn from the time was when they were an actor on House. Uh, so he was having a drink with Hugh Laurie, uh, whom he'd worked on with the series, and he told him he wanted to write a breakup letter. And it really was, wasn't it? A breakup letter from King George to the yeah. colonies. Mm-hmm. Uh, without blinking, uh, he improvised at me. Oh, you'll be back, wagging his finger and laughing. Uh, and Lin-Manuel filed that away saying, uh, thanks you, Laurie. No, yes. amazing. And I'm, I'm so happy that you, again, w- when I interrupted you for the first time, I was going to say, I was really happy that you told me who the inspiration yeah. was yeah, because yeah. I was like, it's it's something, it, it's taken from someone yeah. or something, but for the life of me, I can't put my finger on it. Is it the Beatles? Is it the Beatles? Is it Queen? It's something British. Yeah. And I wasn't wrong, but it was Hugh Laurie. I think all of them a little bit definitely yeah. play a part. It's you know, musically definitely Queen and the Beatles for sure. But I had a slightly more logistical question about that number as well, Austin, because sure. I couldn't help but notice in the film in the filmed version of the play that Jonathan Groff he expels a significant amount of saliva. <laughs> Spit game. I don't know if anyone noticed this. It's a meme. It's all it's over the place now. Yeah. Okay. So it's a meme, and it happens, and I went. Oh wow, that 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 you know he's going for it. That that <laughs> yeah, is some yes. spit. And my question to you is: Have you ever been spat on in the pit? <laughs> no, because the pit's um, right down there. And oh, I have, I'll I tell have... you this for free: I have. Uh, yes. But that says more about you, actually, Alex. I think. Oh yeah, hundred no, percent. No, I mean I have a funny story about things falling into the pit. If you want me oh, to yeah. get to it now. Oh no, please do. No, the... please okay. do. Well, okay, so it is. Uh, in uh, Stay Alive, um, so just a couple songs later in the show. And at the very beginning of Stay Alive is this really awesome kind of scene transition 
where you have a British soldier on stage. Oh, yeah, spinning the rifle. This, spinning the rifle, yeah, right? I love that. So bit. when oh, we God, first... I don't, I don't like where you this know, is going. You know where this is going, exactly. So when we first started You the met show, the business end of a bayonet, perchance? Right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I had to get that one in there. When we first started performances, we didn't have a net for oh, no. some reason. And I mean, to be fair... This show doesn't have a lot of like scene changes and a lot of like moving scenery that come in and off of stage or mm -hmm. anything like that. So, and there's not a ton of props except for like guns and, you know, some chairs and some, yeah. uh, you know, some desks Sword. here and there. But that's about it, you know. And so it was probably about what our third city. So maybe three months into the show. And at the beginning of or at Stay Alive, all of a sudden, like we were just playing because at the very beginning, it's like the strings have this little tremolo, yes. like really just like, you know, really high pitched and just kind of setting the mood of like this uneasy tension. And then, you know, we're playing. And then between me and our second violinist, who's maybe like, you know, six feet away from me on my left, all of a sudden we hear this loud bang and. I get, and something hits me and I'm like, what just happened? And I look to my left and one of the rifles, the one that he does the gun toss with fell between the two of us. And it hit me on my, it hit my instrument, made me knock it to the left, to the right. And my entire violin went out of tune oh, in the no. middle of this song. And so then it was just like, it's one of those fight or flight moments that just kind of sets in. I could not give you a play by play of what happened next, except for somehow got my violin back in tune and started playing again, like eight measures later. And, and which works out wow, well. That's there's quick. Not, there's wow. not that much that happens in the beginning, except for those tremolos. So I was in for the next, you know, the next um, entrance about eight measures later, my violin was in tune and everything was fine. And, you know, everyone else in the orchestra was looking at me like, are you physically okay? Is everything mm -hmm. okay? And I'm just like in go mode. You know, I'm not even thinking about it. It's yeah, because like you could have had like a dislocated shoulder, sure. you know. Or I could have been hit on the head and had a yeah, concussion or whatever. Because that thing geez. was like solid wood, very heavy. Um, and so fortunately, you know, the most was just an out-of-tune violin, which is very fixable. And then... Basically, what ended up happening is so funny because after that act, I had one after one people came up to me like, are you OK? Are you OK? And mm -hmm. I even got a text from Alex Lacamoire, who was not even there. He was oh, like God. somewhere else. He was like, hey, I heard about what happened in the show. How are you feeling? And like he double checked with me like three times later that week just to make sure I was still good. mentally. You ready. know that in the wings, a panic assistant, as a panicked assistant just yeah. went Oh my god, the concert master's just been twatted by a <laughs> just has just been twatted by a rifle. Oh, yeah. We might be in trouble. But Absolutely. I mean, I'm I'm a violinist, so there's yeah. one thought that's going through my head right now. <laughs> was the violin okay? Violin was okay. Violin really? Was no really... no bridge problems? No, no bridge problems, no, no sound problems. No, I knew no. that question was coming. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, sue me. Come on. <laughs> right. No, of course, we would rather bodily harm done to us than anything happen to us. 100%. <laughs> Back me up, Austin. That is a legitimate concern. Yes, for sure. Wow, that's lucky. So we talked a bit before about the Schuyler sisters, because you said it's the one you listen to the most. Uh, now, there's obviously two other female-led 
smash hits uh, that I know you listen to well, quite not, a lot. It's not actually it's not actually the one I've listened to the most out of the whole. I know soundtrack. the one you're going to listen to the most. It's yeah. helpless, isn't it? It is helpless. <laughs> it is honestly, it is. And oh God, help me! I love it. It's such a good song. I, I wish so much that we could have watched this together because I would have loved to have seen your wee face. <laughs> oh, I was I was grinning. I was grinning ear to ear throughout the, the like the whole show. But I think specifically first time going through Helpless, I think I think I might have cried. Really? Really? Yeah, it was lovely. Oh. <laughs> it was really really lovely. I really really liked that song, and I really liked the next one as well. Satisfied. But, um, Satisfied, oh, which is incredible. What's the name? Is it Angelica? Angelica Schuyler, yeah. Angelica Schuyler that she that she sings. The thing that I always notice in Satisfied that's super cool is um, if you go back to the Schuyler sisters when they introduce themselves, and you have Angelica, yeah, yeah, Liza, Liza, and, then, yeah. You know, so those, and those Peggy, little, those and little Peggy, things, those little motifs. <laughs> that bit always makes me laugh. Though. And, and Peggy, the opening of Satisfied. Is you have this da 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 da, da which is yes. really just the mm-hmm. same Angelica oh, motif. Oh yeah, but really? it's just over. Oh, it's very just good. Over in a slow version, you have the piano doing da 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 da. da. So they're doing the fast version. Yes, you have yes. the strings doing the slower version, like del- like half as fast. And so it works out in this like kind of clock winding version of like rewinding where you have mm. like the big the smaller hand and the bigger hand and all the gears kind of working in this interesting but it's that use of that motif that really to me it always stood out to me as like something very very musically interesting and very yeah, cool yeah definitely song you know the way that it's constructed for sure can i talk about a song which i so and we were i guess just up top we're, we're probably not going to get time to do moving forward this week but what i would have brought was we talked a little bit about it on the zoom call was a netflix documentary that goes into certain songs that have been released over time and they, they, they talked about i think one of the episodes does losing my religion by rem which i've, I've not had a chance okay. to watch yet i'm really keen to so mm-hmm. this is moving forward very quickly and then we'll go back into hamilton <laughs> uh, but one of them they did was wait for it and the song wait for it and i watched the show i mean i've watched it about eight or so times now since um love it absolutely love it but slowly that song has become my favorite song i think because it's a powerful song and it's got some powerful emotion behind it so wait for it is the one that uh, basically explains the story of uh, aaron burr and how he is frustrated that Hamilton gets everything he wants and Aaron Burr's tactic is to wait for it and just constantly wait for it. And he's quite slow and a little bit more methodical. Uh, And obviously it kind of brings in the background of Theodosia and kind of his, you know, the kind of writing to, um, I believe it was, I know there's a story to the fact that he's writing to Theodosia, she's she's away. Um, But the the structure, as Alex sort of said at the start about the chorus and how they use the chorus to build the echoes, the wait forward, wait forward, wait forward, yeah. and they've all got their different parts and it kind of synchronizes and, the, and the, this episode of this Netflix uh, documentary really draws into it. But can you sort of talk us through your experience from the pit of wait for it and just your your experience of that song? Oh man, I mean, just the just this song, every single time it happens in the show is just such a cathartic moment it's so much energy and the thing that i like from the pit it's just like the one of the cool things about about the show that we do is because we're doing eight shows a week you know Mm, you have just like 
in this song especially is just like so emotionally charged and it's just yes. like such an amazing you know it requires just a lot as a vocalist just a lot of energy and a lot of like, oh, amazing mm-hmm. singing yeah. you know and yeah. so one of the things that is how does he breathe i mean there's no places to breathe exactly. when he's singing it <laughs> i know it's just it, it's incredible what they do you know but one of the things that always strikes me about this song is because because we do eight shows a week we don't always like because no one in their right mind eight shows a week for 52 weeks out of the year, no one could do that kind of level as a singer, you know, that kind of level of repeatability and being able to do that. So sometimes they'll call out, you know, we'll have a different person playing Aaron Burr for a night or something like that. And this sure. song mm-hmm. is always like the one that when you have a different person playing Aaron Burr, you're just like, okay, I, you know, you just like, I, I'm so excited to hear what they do with this, you know? Oh, and really? It's just like, right. So for this song, because it, for me, the thing that I love about this song is that I think of all the songs in this show, it's one of the ones that can actually stand alone, away yes, apart yes, yes. from the musical. You know, it's like you can take it out of context and it's still an amazing song. It doesn't need any backstory. It doesn't need anything to come after it. It stands on its own. Yes. And so mm-hmm. the, that's the thing that I love about the song in that way. And then just to hear the many different people who sing it and they do different things at the very end where you can kind of like play around like uh, melodically with the things in the last chorus when you have the chorus going and then he's just kind of goes off into different variations on that same theme and just like yearning for something and to hear everyone do it. We have one member of our uh, troupe named Desmond Sean Ellington and he's... Mm. um, he is a cover. He's a, you know, he, or he started out when he, when we first started the show, he was just a principal cover. So he True. mostly played Aaron Burr. He played George Washington. That was pretty much, he was just a cover. So whenever one of them called out sick, he would be put in the show usually. And so he was, I remember the first time I heard him sing, he just has this incredible voice. He's just such a captivating performer in everything that he does and just like the way that he carries himself he just you you know when he plays george washington you're like i'm convinced that he's george washington when he plays aaron burr Mm -hmm. you just like you feel it with every single bit and that's not to knock on our normal aaron burr that we had at the time because i mean he was absolutely incredible too um but just the way when i remember the first time i heard desmond sing this song and it was just like watching you know like hearing him do that and it was just like to know his story of the fact that he originally was like he always wanted to do theater but he went to school for like engineering or something else he didn't go to school Mm -hmm. for music and he kind of did that world for a little while only to come back to music later and be like you know i still really have this yearning to be an actor and to be a singer and to do all this stuff and then to hear the fruits of that going full circle, to hear him come back and sing this song, yeah, you know, wait for, for me, exactly. just, just meeting him for the first time. And it's just like, wow, you know, it just in, you know, it great on its own, but when you hear it in context, it just means so much. It's super cool. That's lovely. Yeah. That's absolutely lovely. Yeah. yeah you, you made me think of a question actually there when you were talking about hearing different cast members you know, interpretation and doing different things, you know, what's, how um, real life a mix 
do do you get listening in the in the live performance like what do you do do you hear a really good mix of what's going on on stage or is it very much band well, heavy the, or you know what, what is it that yeah the experience? thing that's cool is that we use this system called avioms which are basically independent mixers um so each person in the band can dial in their own mix and so oh, we have great. all these different channels so See, I've never been in a production so, big enough so that's, to have that. That's <laughs> actually a saving grace for a lot of wow. this is the fact that like we have the ability to change the things that we're listening to at any given moment if we want to. So we have different right. submixes and whatever. So we can dial in. So like for wait for it'll come and as we have someone in, I'll be like, oh, I want to hear more of that. So I can immediately be like, okay, I'm going to turn the vocals up for this time for this go around, you know. Or I'm going to turn the band down or I'm going to turn the drums up because like Sam, our drummer, is just like laying into that, laying into it that night. And I just want to feel that yeah. energy, you know? Oh, the yeah. energy right. of the drums. Exactly. Amazing. Yeah. You know? And so we have the ability to kind of dial in our own mix night after night, which also when you do the show as many times as you do it, that's a saving grace because you can, you can change your mix just a little bit and it, it sounds like a completely different show. Yeah, mm. you just get a fresh yeah. take. So that's, oh, yeah. brilliant. Before we get to my favorite, and I'm sorry, I'm being quite selfish this because I've got so many questions. Before we get to what I think is my favorite one, I just want to talk about the creative genius that is the dual commandments or the 10 dual commandments. Yes. And we get it three different times because mm -hmm. it is just such a unique way to tell the story of the rules and the format. And I'd imagine probably a lot of it is based on fact. The whole thing of the doctor turns his back so he has plausible deniability and Stuff oh yeah, hundred like percent. I I definitely I have heard some of those stuff, things yeah. before. What, what what was that like? So you obviously again, I think there's three duels in the yes. show. What was it like playing the duels? The duels. Okay. So the funny part with the duels is that for the strings, we don't really have a lot to do. Um, oh, okay. We just have these little tremolo things that we you know like little rising like like forte piano and then like get mm. louder. Um, it happens a couple times, and. The one thing that I, you know, that for me, from a technical perspective, I never realized how terrible I am at playing tremolos until I did this show. <laughs> and it's like, it's one of those things that when you're in an orchestra with, you know, 20 other violins doing tremolo, it sounds immediately, it just works. You know, you don't even think about it. It's just like, oh, I can do this forever. It's fine. But then when you're a solo instrument doing a tremolo with just your microphone, it's like, oh, wow, I'm actually terrible at this. And I've never had to practice it before. <laughs> Yeah. Did you ever do that thing, Austin, where you, you, you just put your bow on the string and then you put your 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 wrist on your leg and you just start bouncing your leg oh, up yeah. and down? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it and it, it moves the bow for it. It's just the it's just the it, the way to get the tremolo with absolute zero arm effort at all. You just start shaking your leg. No, honestly, you I see people imagine. do it all the time. I need to do that more, actually, I think. Yeah. But, but um Callum, to answer your question, like this song is the the thing that I love so much about this song is like so i hadn't seen like it's interesting i hadn't seen hamilton from the audience perspective mm. until it came out on disney plus oh okay. so i had played the show like 800 times without ever seeing it from the audience mm. you know and then but a song like 10 dual commandments where the turntable plays oh, it's such amazing, a pivotal role in the storytelling you know and yeah. and also and also that cast member who is the bully yes. as well. Yeah. I love that. Very effective, absolutely. And like but like that's such a that's just a part that when you're sitting six feet underneath 
the stage, you don't really get a visual on that kind of thing. You see floating can, heads go by, but you don't. Can really. you hear? Can you hear like the mechanisms of that thing turning no. in your ear? No, really, no, because okay. there's just so much sound in the room for that Interesting. show. That and that's such a microscopic sound that like be, yeah. because the you know because there's so much because the floor of sound is so high, you can't really hear those tiny little adjustments here, which is good in the sense that like you know if you're if, if something bad happens and you need to like run out of the pit or like you have a little candy wrapper or something because you have a cough yeah. and you need to yeah, open it yeah, up yeah, and yeah. like hope that nobody yeah. hears anything it's like okay well at least i know that no one's going to hear anything but yeah to, to your to your point that i wanted to also mention something cool about that bullet i don't know if you guys caught this in the in the show um when you watched it um but the the character who plays the bullet like there are a couple close calls that happen in the show in the blocking before the actual bullet strikes Hamilton in the last song, the second to last song mm -hmm. at the, and stay alive actually is one where you have that gunshot from the guy who does the gun flip. Yes. Yes. And the, so they, are they like assassination attempts or something? It, are it's, they? I don't, I wouldn't say assassin, assassination attempts in the sense that it's like they're going after Hamilton specifically, but it's like okay. the idea that, you know, they're always facing this danger, this like preeminent yeah. danger, but it's yeah. like the idea that the way that they do it dramatically from the beginning with this part and stay alive in the first act with the person who does the bullet is this idea of like sealing Hamilton's fate that, you know, it's going to happen. And it's yeah. a close call at first. And it's just it's just a very little detail, but it's like it just speaks to like the layers and layers and layers of information and stuff that happens and how everything just serves the purpose of telling the story. And you can just go on forever and ever with the choreography, with the lighting, with the music, mm. with the words, and just it's just endless amount. also the yeah. turntable the turntables shaped like a bullseye yeah it's oh, a good yeah. point Alex. Absolutely. yeah yeah good yeah. point <laughs> well i'm i'd be remiss remissant if i didn't say i did say my favorite songs and i and this is my last uh i, I have to ask so my favorite my now current and i guess like every time i listen to it and re-listen to it i have a new favorite song but my current favorites is so the history has its eyes on you which is beautiful and then falling right into my favorite song which is the yorktown because yes. my god that song is awesome it's you know that's br it brings together all the characters you know the um the uh john oh i forget it, uh la, la, john, la, lawrence. La, la, john lawrence yeah. and then lafayette and then hercules mulligan that explosive rap oh, i mean so the audience good. must go bananas every oh, time that, that do, bit. and the bit that george washington when they introduce here comes the general they must go the audience must go bananas for yeah. that live every time mostly especially when we've had especially it's funny because like when you take the same show on the road it's like different cities will react differently to different things. Oh, cool. And because, right, the, okay. because the political landscape in America is so diverse when you go yeah. from one city to another, depending on where it's located, you'll have such different reactions to That's different things. That's fascinating. So like Yorktown is one of those ones, especially like, and even within cities sometimes too, because at the first week of the show, the first week of shows are usually like the subscribers for the hall that we're playing in. So yes. they're usually like the older people who have a lot of money and are going mm, to mm. the theater because that's what they do. And so you imagine you have a, um, an audience full of a lot of older people. They're not going to react the same way that like you have that Saturday night show where you have all the, you know, adolescent age people that are just yeah, going yeah. nuts for everything. Well, 
And Yorktown has that, you know, the lyric, immigrants, we get the job done. Yes. You know, like that. Cause that got a big a whoop, big in, whoop the, in, the in the film. Yeah. But, yeah. but that must be another example of probably it's... that, you know, ebbs and flows, that cheer. Yes, that, that's definitely one. Um, there's other ones that I, I just can't think of. But that, exactly like you said, immigrants, we get the sure. job done, is one of those ones that if you're in a particularly, you know, right-leaning state yeah. or city... Then it'll just be a very muted sit up, you know, sit back oh, that's up in the really chair oh, you know, kind yeah. of reaction. You just feel feel everyone's but, but, buttholes yeah. clenching. <laughs> but you've got an incredibly <laughs> dynamic. So after Hercules Mulligan's explosive oh, rap yes. about he's this he's a spy inside, then you guys kick in. You know, that's when you really hear the string the string section. Is this one of the biggest plays for the band? Yes. Oh, absolutely. You're, you're in terms turn? of like volume and just this is oddly enough, this is cool. I'm glad you mentioned that, Callum, because um when we had our um, seating rehearsal, like our first rehearsal that we had with the singers and the musicians together. Alex Lacamoire always does this thing where he wants to introduce the band to the singers, you know, who have been, yeah, they'd yeah, already yeah. been working together on their own for about a month and we had just come in, you know, a week before. Um, and so he wants to introduce the, the singers or introduce the band to the singers. So he'll mm. take this dance break and he'll be like, okay. This Yorktown dance break. Let's have. Let's hear what the drums are doing. Let's hear what the bass is doing. Oh let's hear wow! What the, and then at the very end, he'll be like, "And let's just hear what the strings are doing." You know, he saves mm. the string breakout for this at for the last, and it's just so much energy and so so much fun to play. Like night after night, it's it's probably my favorite bit in the whole yeah. musical to play, just because it's so much fun. Um, and it's just so much energy and it's just so much drive and it's just like you're the center of attention finally yeah like you really are you've yeah. been waiting for and you and you said at the start you had uh, a 135 click track was one of your audition pieces yeah was it that breakdown no i think 135 is for election of 18 oh okay okay i think oh, this yes, one yes, is yes. Uh, it's either 90 it's pretty i think quick. it's 98 it's kind of it's kind of slow Da, 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 oh, is da, it? Da, okay. Da, 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 da. Oh, interesting. Because it's not one, two. It feels like it could be double time. It feels double time. Yeah, yeah but it's actually like kind of. I think it's like ninety-eight or something like that. Maybe one or two, somewhere in there. Yeah. I was really impressed, or what I thought was really amazing throughout the whole show was the, like the quality of the of the rapping, mm -hmm. the 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 clarity yes. of it, the clarity of it that you could hear everything. And I think the moment I got absolutely blown away was in guns and ships oh, so quick what because one lafayette the rapping is so quick and number two he does it in a french accent yes yes <laughs> that's mental <laughs> as soon as he was because to rap that quick obviously i've got no idea what i'm talking about i'm, I'm not a rapper, <laughs> but uh, you sell yourself short albums i'm sure <laughs> you can drop a few nah, rhymes yeah yeah i just i I know I did you know, in my own time in my own time it won't, it won't be dropped on this podcast anytime soon I'll tell you that for free but you know imagine you've just your, your your diction and your articulation and everything you say has got to be so just on point and just to get the words across but then to put in that kind of French slur yeah. thing which I won't attempt to do yeah. without being insulting yeah. right now but 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 he does it so so well and i suppose it's it, it it's the same question again as i had about king george which was is that something that has been replicated in other performances yes. from your your experience the french yes, accent mid rap mm -hmm. yeah i think it's i think wow. for the most part that kind of a artistic choice is 
is all but written into the part, you know, in terms sure. of like what is expected of. And it's like, that's the goal. And we're always striving for the goal. And of course, as you said, Alex, it's got to take so much it's practice. so difficult. Though. And, you know, and it's like, it, it's just a lot to live up to. So, of course, you know, some people are just going to be really good at it. And other people, you know, it's not going to come as naturally for sure. But I mean, it's like you said, just the way that David Diggs does it in the original. Oh, he's amazing. He's amazing. Yeah. yeah. Sure, because yeah. he's quite he's quite Andre 3000-esque. And I know, like, I was chatting with a colleague of mine how the different raps, you know, like, so I said Hercules Mulligan's very explosive, you know, like, almost gangster rap style. Yeah. And and then you've got this kind of, like, very, very articulate rap. Because obviously Lin-Manuel Miranda's very specifically designed the different raps for different parts of America. Yes. And he's designed them for different kind of um, eras of rap music and hip-hop music. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's a full spectrum. And that is, as you say, Alex, it really stands out, doesn't it? Even for someone yeah. You know, we, we don't know a huge amount about it at all, but wow, yeah, it's, it's amazing for sure. All of these bangers in the first half, a lot of the a lot of the second half is a lot of uh, kind of not not reprises because that kind of sounds like yeah, it missells it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's more it, it miss it missells it, but there's like there's reprises of like three different things we 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 heard in the first half all in one like everything just seems a lot more kind of combined it's like it's like the first half everybody got their moment of introduction right. helpless was eliza's song and you know everybody everybody had their thing and then once everybody was introduced even though a lot of the cast members obviously change roles in the second half and you know yeah, they play other clever. people and then they 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 have reintroductions but everything else just seems a lot more blended in the sure. second half. Is that kind I of I think it's 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 a completely feel? different energy going from act one to act two for sure. Because like yeah. the kind of like like you were saying about Yorktown, it's like there's no other song in the show that has that kind of energy to it. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. And it's just like it's a different it's just a different atmosphere in the second act. It's a different way of telling the story. It's just like different it's a lot more, I would say emotionally charged and a lot more like that kind of way of looking at things. Um, whereas the first act, like you said, is assisted by the fact that it's like a lot of introduction and a lot of like big things like a war, you know, second act is not a war. The second act is just like, this is politics and this is married life and this is people making mistakes, you know? And it's like, it's, it's Mm -hmm. not the same kind of, emotionally charged yeah it's almost flipped yeah. on its head because the war yeah. act is the first one and then it kind of the second yeah. half is the more politics you're right For yeah sure. yeah so absolutely and i have to say i have to say i've never seen a show that's made me so interested in politics oh, it's great isn't it before because one thing i really really liked was the cabinet battles. oh the wrap-offs the, so great, the, the, yeah. the, the, the the wrap-offs to do that as a wrap-up because when i sat and thought about those scenes i thought about the content of those scenes and i was like they're literally just there to tell the audience all these political things that are happening and how you know one side is against the other and to split them up into left and right for lack of it want this and the right want that Mm -hmm. and all of that and i thought well they must have like wanted to do a way to give all that exposition but in the most entertaining way possible and in a hip-hop musical having a rap battle as like a cabinet thing with george washington sitting in the center going going 
all right thanks now it's your yeah, turn and stuff like compare. that and I, like, yeah. I just thought it was hilarious yeah, it, it was, was just so well done and it made me so interested in the content yeah, as well yeah. apart from the fact that they were just having a rap battle i wasn't sitting there going oh yeah cool there's a rap battle in this show <laughs> i was actually just like oh yeah all the other you know factual things that was behind that in the text sure. yeah i was really really grabbed For by sure. and i think that that's a compliment i've got to give to the whole show as well is for all the dramatic license that i'm sure it takes it made me want to go and find out about it afterwards right. you know one of the first things i did after the show ended was i went on my phone and i went to the wikipedia yeah page of i alexander, did it too yeah alexander too. hamilton yeah, i think everyone does you know and maybe even before i did that or maybe directly after and i think this was very purposefully done at the end of the show was actually eliza yeah eliza hamilton because the you know, obviously the last scene after alexander hamilton gets shot and killed you get this shakespearean message of the story yeah. sung by eliza at the end but then she also tells the audience everything that she managed to do in her life yeah. for the 50 years that she was alive Every... after the death yeah, of her husband yeah. which was amazing and i mean amazing way to end the show in that it wasn't this big rousing audience clapping number it was like a much more subdued yeah, it's a good point you made. And i really wasn't i really wasn't expecting no. it and it really made me think and actually i mean i don't know i'm assuming this is the case for all all the all the shows all of the performances of it but does eliza always get the first bow um man i i would i would imagine so i think so um because it almost gave because it almost just to finish to finish my point sorry but the it almost gave the impression that that the that the hamilton that the show was about wasn't even about alexander in the first yeah. place it was actually about well, yeah. eliza i mean i'm not i wouldn't go so far as to say it was actually that but i think if you chose to see it sure. that well way, you could also say the same you could. you could also say the same thing for aaron burr you know like because he's the one narrating it all he's, well, he's the one the narrator, telling yeah. the whole thing mm -hmm. like it's his you know i'm the damn fool that shot him like it's him telling his story it's of a bit it of a tragedy yeah i mean and obviously then it, and the, to, to sort of zoom out a little bit who lives who dies who tells your story what does that song mean to you how does that feel because obviously that's the end of the show for you and do you have yeah. What what does that do to you? That song. Um, it's you know, it's it's one of those moments that like, no matter what happened in the last forty nine songs or you know however many songs it's been, it's mm -hmm. like that is one of those songs that it's just like, you can't help but give everything that you have to sure. it. You know because just everything about it, the words, the placement the music itself, everything about the storytelling is just so good. And it just makes you just so 100% invested in the music and the story and everything. Yeah. And it, I mean, it's showcases some absolutely beautiful string writing as well, which I mean, I absolutely love. Um, it's probably my favorite in terms of like the string writing It's definitely a high point for me with the string quartet and the way that it fits into everything. And, the oh really and yeah i would say that it definitely it, it definitely means a lot to me to play it every single night it's got that beautiful violin solo at the end and that's you that's your that's your that's solo that first you play. yeah first violin wow. and it's like that's one of those solos that it's like i would never there's a lot of you know you play the same thing 800 times of course you're going to make mistakes but that's one of those parts that it's like 
I would never let myself live it down if I made a mistake in that part, just because sure. of where it is yeah. and what it, you know, it's like, if that doesn't work, then everything, what the hell have you been playing the last two and a half <laughs> hours for? Yeah. You know? Amazing. So you actually get to go out on a bang, really. Yeah. The cast, the cast don't, but you kind of get your, uh, you get your final bang with at the end. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's no, it's very. I mean, it's just one of those moments that is just amazing. It's it's so incredible with the way that it that it all fits together, and what it means. You know, putting everything into perspective from just the you know who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Just amazing words. Um, you know, kind of what we were talking about way back when we were talking about the history has as it's taught to us. You know, it's like mm. because the the saying that history is written by the victors, the people who win. Sure. And so mm -hmm. that idea that what is, you know, what is our history? Is it all, is what we think of as our history? Is that everything there is to it or is there more? Yep. And then this idea, like you were saying too, you know, for Americans, it's the same. Like I would say that Americans knowledge of Hamilton before this show came out was he's on the $10 bill. And he so did, I, I, that was the fact. Bank was, stuff, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the show's popularity has been credited with the U.S. Treasury foregoing its plan to replace Hamilton on the $10 bill. Mm -hmm. You know, think how, think how powerful that is. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so like it just and when you think about so like when you think about distilling this play down to what it is, you know, it's mm. a hip hop musical about American history. Amazing. Does that sound yeah. sexy? If you were, if that was your elevator pitch to someone, you know, you had 20 <laughs> seconds to make a producer like, like, this is what I think of doing. But he did that, didn't he? He said that a couple of years ago to Obama. And there's a video of him saying that yeah. I'm working on this hip hop version and everyone right. laughed at him and exactly. look at it now. Exactly. And it's just like, but it's so interesting in that way that it's like just single handedly has really invigorated an entire generation in terms of political involvement as well as just like yes. understanding our history from more perspectives than just the one that we're taught in school. And this, yeah. this last song really puts all of that into perspective for sure, you know, and what it means and what it says. Austin, thank you so much for your time. This has been absolutely lovely to have you on the show. And it's been really great to kind of pick your brains throughout uh, Hamilton. Alex, I guess we, we kind of talked about, uh, quick, quick questions um, that we want to just quickly ask before just one yeah. one word answers. So I've just got all I want is just one one song answer. Okay. Okay. What's your favorite song? Um, just to play or to listen to. <laughs> Both. Well, now you said you said to play Yorktown. Play was, was Yorktown. There. Yes. Okay. Right. Okay. Listen so, to listen to um, Room Where It Happens. Austin, what was the most challenging song to play in the show? Also, Room Where It Happens. Uh, <laughs> why? Um, it just it, it has a lot of really quick violin licks in it. Mm. Um, and that, oh, and right, they're, okay. they're super like exposed in that sense. Um, right, so okay. it, I guess it's a two-way tie because that one, it has like a lot of, um, you know, it has a lot of difficult parts that are very exposed. And then the other one is um, actually, where is it? Uh... Your obedient servant is the bane of yes. my existence. It is so difficult because it's the same thing really? in three different keys. And it just, for some reason, it's so difficult. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's also just like brutal because it's like, it's like the fourth to last show song in the show. And so you're like, 
oh man you're done yeah you're done exactly and then you all you have to look forward to is like oh great i have this solo at the very end and i can't mess <laughs> that one up you know? yeah austin if you appreciate you have a, a huge following online and stuff is there anything you want to plug just whilst you've got the stage is there anything you want people to go and have a look at is there any any videos or anything oh, uh, yeah we're gonna stuff? link it and, and we can uh, yeah we, we'll, we'll provide some links i i wish i did i you know i Honestly, if you want to just put a link to my website and I should start writing blogs again, because <laughs> um, <laughs> I used to do that a lot and I just have kind of fallen out of fashion with it. But I mean, if you want to do that, absolutely. <laughs> no worries. No worries. 100% will do that. <laughs> absolutely. And tell all, tell, well, all your, uh, tell all your listeners to vote in the U.S. election if they are U.S. Oh, that's citizens. a great one. Yeah, that's <laughs> a great, that's yeah, a great yeah. point. Make yeah. sure you're voting. I love that. Yes. Nice. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, excellent. Well, it would be great to get you back soon because I know, I know that your talent doesn't just lie with Hamilton. I know you have experience in other music and movie uh, experiences. And I guess we won't talk about that now because we would love to get you back on the show uh, again. I'm sure, uh, you know, I'm sure Alex is also definitely think of that one there um but in the meantime alex what do the listeners have to do now so now more than ever (laughs) you've got to get themselves onto the apple podcasts apps it's on your phone it's already there and you can find us in there and if you wouldn't mind giving us a cheeky little five star rating that'd be magic and the other thing you can do is leave us a cheeky little review mm. say if you like us that's it yeah. say if you don't or maybe don't say if you don't mm-hmm. you know whatever you can and or if you don't really want to do that you're not really the reviewing type you can tell us your favorite movie yeah you could tell us your favorite movie soundtrack you could tell us your favorite videoed musical theater production oh, we'd like that one yeah very yeah. good i mean the answer is going to be hamilton absolutely as, as discussed, absolutely as discussed on this podcast but i'll also uh take joseph and the technical dream coat as well yeah exactly you know, just 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 saying <laughs> any uh, any old dream will do any old any shit. old any old dream any old dream will do i mean we're on we're on spotify and stuff yeah, as well exactly. and you know other 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 places and mm-hmm. um, we also have an email address as well if you want to write in that is at motionspod at gmail.com and you can write in and leave a love lovely review uh just like uh just like actually sam sam's left a lovely review here for us and it's a nice five oh, did, he? He did yeah of course he's this uh, step one choose envelope or postcard and when mailing the letter or postcard postage cost depends on the size and shape of the mail piece so that was a lovely uh, review from you sam yeah. there and i think that's a really cool. interesting five five star review um, Austin said I going what the hell is going on what is this what is this utter nonsense that's, that's, that's that's that. we were doing so well until we sounded so professional as we were doing it and it was just falling off <laughs> amazing well and thank you very much for listening and we'll be back again next week bye now alright guys ta-ta bye